So, <clears throat> our, our scripture this morning is from, uh, let me grab my Bible, is from uh, the Gospel of Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, and it's going to be chapter 6 of Matthew, verses uh, 20, hang on one second, 25 to 34. Alright, so Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34, and this is, um, I'm sure, a very familiar verse, a passage rather to many of us. Um, but we're going to get into this a little bit this morning and um, talk about what it means to, to not worry. So Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. And this is Jesus talking. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? And the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to their life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Some of you, uh, you might recognize this song kind of hard for it not to immediately cause a smile on your face. Um, just a, a feel-good, happy song. If you know the words, let's sing along a little bit. <clears throat> Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. Every life we have some trouble But when you worry you make it double Don't worry Be happy Don't worry, be happy now <laughs> So, what you're listening to there was uh, a song by Bobby McFerrin Bobby McFerrin, a, a fantastic uh, a jazz singer and um, that was one of his biggest hits, Don't Worry, Be Happy. And, um, you know, one of the reasons that song was such a hit is because it has a, a timeless message about telling us not to worry. It's a feel-good sentiment. Everybody loves that. Don't worry, be happy, right? And whether Bobby McFerrin realizes it or not, though, he actually stole that from someone who lived about 2,000 years before he was ever born. 
And yes, of course, I'm talking about Jesus. Yeah, he stole it right out of Jesus's uh, book, okay? Uh, Jesus had that message about do not worry. He had that for us thousands of years ago. And it was relevant then when Jesus shared that. And it's just as relevant today. That passage we just read, Jesus says, do not worry. Now let me ask you a question. Are, are you a worrier? You know, I think to a certain degree we are all worriers, right? We all, we all worry about something. You know, it's almost part of human nature to worry. But, but I think there are some people who worry a little bit or only worry in cer certain circumstances. And then there are others who it, they almost make a living out of worrying, you know, they're, they're constant worriers. Um, and, you know, speaking of it being Mother's Day, um, my mother uh, was a wonderful, wonderful woman of faith. She really was. But she was a paradox to me because she was this very w strong woman of faith, but she was also a chronic worrier. I mean, if they had, you know, uh, national competitions in the UK for, you know, worrying competitions, my mum, I think, would have been the reigning champion for at least 20 years, UK national worrying champion, because that, that woman could worry, and, and she would worry about all kinds of things, you know, she would be worrying about the car breaking down, um, she was worrying about one of our major appliances going out, what happens if the washing machine or the fridge goes, um, she was, you know, worried a lot about things and often they were connected to finances and part of that was just because um, we didn't have a lot of money growing up and my mum was always worried that we would have a big expenditure that we couldn't cover. She, she also had this, this almost uh, paranoid worry about, uh, about getting cancer. She was very worried all the time that she would get cancer um, and in, in the end it, she didn't get cancer. That wasn't what, um, uh, you know, ended up being... Uh, what killed her, it was to do with heart issues and what have you, but she spent all this time, all this energy, worrying about things that actually didn't transpire, they didn't actually come to pass. And so when we look at this passage today, you know, Jesus is really encouraging us to not worry, that actually worry is, is futile, um, and that it, it, it's really um, not worth the emotional energy that it takes, but you know, he, he begins by telling us about the things that we tend to worry about. And by now we're all familiar with terms such as essential workers and essential services. Right? Those, those have become buzzwords since this pandemic began. And, and Jesus, he's, he begins by telling us not to worry about the essentials in our life. You know, he says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body what you will wear. So he's talking there, he's talking about basic needs, isn't he? Such as food, drink, and clothing. And Jesus is trying to make the point that actually there are things more important than those basic needs. Not that those aren't important, of course we need those things to live. But Jesus is trying to make the point that life consists of more than just food, drink, and what you wear. And what Jesus is saying is that if, if you spend your life obsessing and worrying about these things, and let's face it, there are plenty of people who do. There's plenty of people who obsess about the food they ate, either in an uh, unhealthy way of overeating or in a other unhealthy way of undereating or being constantly obsessed with measuring out their food. There are people who are obsessed with what they wear, constantly buying new clothes and, and sort of how do I look. And then, of course, there are people obsessed with their body. 
right? After having to be the perfect shape and the perfect physique and all these kind of things. But Jesus is saying that if, if you spend your life obsessing and worrying about these things, then you're going to miss out on the real meaning and the real purpose in life. And we'll get to that. I'm going to explain what that is. But, you know, to drive home his point, Jesus uses the example of how our Heavenly Father provides for the birds of the air. He says, you know, he says they do not sow, they do not reap or store away in barns, and yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. God, God takes care of them anyway. But actually, Jesus is wanting to get to a deeper point here, which is that he wants to get to the point of our infinite worth to the Father. Because Jesus says, God provides for the birds, but then he says, are you not much more valuable than they? Are you much, not much more precious and valuable than the birds of the air are to, to God the Father? And you know, as human beings, we have to understand that we are unique in the eyes of God. You are unique and highly prized in the eyes of God. Over and above all that God has created, you, me, we, we are special. We're special. And, you know, th this flies directly in the face of the secular narrative that godless forces want us to believe. Which is that, you know, the modern lie uh, that is spoon-fed to us today, if you like, is that as humans we are just part of the mindless, unguided, evolutionary spectrum that you aren't special, you don't have any lasting purpose, and you're no more important or significant than, say, the cockroaches. And I raise this issue, and you'll notice if you've uh, been with me for a while, that I raise this issue a lot. Because um, six days out of the week, that's the narrative that you are told by, by you know, the media, um, um, academia, you name it, is that we're not special. We're just part of this unguided evolutionary process. And so I get one day a week to nail home to you that no, as human beings, we are God's special creation and we are special in his eyes. And Jesus, he puts, he puts that nonsense of, of us just being, you know, uh, an accident. He puts that to rest by reminding us that we are highly valued. We are special. And here's the thing, folks. That's not arrogant. That's not me being arrogant or you being arrogant to actually know that you are special in God's eyes. No, no. Scripture, the Bible, affirms this throughout its pages. I mean, for example, do, do you realize that of all God's creations, we are the only creation of His that has His breath in us? Did you know that? I mean, yes, technically God spoke creation into being. So yes, he used his breath to speak creation into being. But we are the only ones who God directly breathed into with his spirit. Listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. This is the creation narrative where it's talking about uh, uh, the Lord creating the heavens and the earth. It says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of of life and the man became a living being it's the breath of God in us that makes us alive and nothing else in creation is listed as getting that unique treatment that's how special we are and of course if you if you want to really know how special we are just look to the cross 
For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. He sent his son for us because of how special. He didn't, he didn't send his son, you know, for the cockroaches. He sent it for us. And it's through him that we are redeemed. That is how special we are. He breathed into us. And do you know that we get our word inspired from the Latin word inspirare. Okay, that's where we get the word uh, inspired from in English, inspirare. And in Latin, that actually means to breathe or blow into. That's what the word means. So we as human beings are literally God-inspired creations who are unique and special in God's eyes. So do not, do not buy into the lie that the modern secular narrative wants to indoctrinate you with. You are unique, you are special, and you are prized in God's eyes. And after Jesus reminds us how precious and valuable we are, he points out, he points out the futility of worry. In verse 27, he says, Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? It's such a profound but obvious statement, because obviously the answer is no. No. If anything, worrying can take hours and days and weeks and months off your life. But Jesus is reminding us that worry is not productive. Worry is not productive. In fact, it's destructive. You put so much value on your life. Jesus is asking, worry won't even add a single hour to it. He's asking, what are you hoping worry will achieve in your life? And of course the answer is, it won't achieve anything. As Jesus goes on, he, he, he again, he contrasts other parts of his creation with our uniqueness. Again, he's trying to nail home this point. He, you know, he, he talks about, look how beautifully dressed the lilies of the field are. And look at how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow. And again, he's contrasting that with our unique value. Jesus says, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So now what's interesting here is, is Jesus is connecting our worry to the level of our faith as well. And that phrase, oh ye of little faith, little faith, it's, it's one word in the Greek. And it's used a number of times in Matthew's gospel to refer to people who walk in fear rather than in faith. So they let fear dictate their life and govern their life and their decisions rather than faith. And I just want to encourage you that as believers, we're called to walk in faith, not in fear. Fear actually is the root of worry and anxiety. And I don't say that, please hear me, this is not to give you a guilt trip if you're somebody who suffers from worry and anxiety a lot. I'm not saying, oh, well, you just don't have enough faith. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is there is a choice as a believer here where we can let fear dominate our lives or we can let uh, faith dominate our life. Um, and, you know, I, I have to... Um, I have to remind myself of this as well because at, at the root of fear is a form of, of if you like, um, unbelief. Because somewhere deep down, there's there's a part part of us that's saying, you know, I don't I don't trust God in this situation. That's why I'm worried. I I don't trust God. I I don't trust He will carry me through this, or that His will is really the best for me. Because sometimes God's will. Um, will look very different from what we think it should be. 
And I, you know, I have to remind myself of this when I worry because, yeah, guess what? I, I worry just like uh, the next person does. I worry about things as much as anyone and I need to give myself a reality check. I have to ask myself, wait, Dan, who's really in control here? Who's really in control? And you know, if there's anything that this present pandemic has taught us, it's that we aren't really in control of anything, are we? We're not in control of anything. Our lives, our economic security, our basic freedoms, they can all evaporate in a moment, as, as we've seen. And yet we put so much stock in them, don't we? We put so much value in these things that are so fleeting that can be taken away in a heartbeat. And Jesus is telling us that worrying over these things in life is futile. He's telling us this, in fact, he tells, this is how unbelievers live. Listen to verse 31 and 32. We get this direct command from Jesus saying, So do not worry. Imperative verb right there. Do not worry. Saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God, God knows you need food. He knows you need uh, clothing. He knows you need the basic uh, things to sustain you in life. He knows that. And he's telling you, don't worry about these things. That this is, if you're doing that, you're living like the pagans. You're living like the unbelievers. The pagans run after these things. Jesus is talking about people who worship all kinds of false gods and idols in their life. What you worry about will, re will reveal a lot about what you worship. Because you worry about losing things. So if you're worrying and obsessed all the time about your finances or your health or your, um, your clothes or your house or whatever, your job, all right, you, you might want to ask the Lord, okay, Lord, does this have an unhealthy grip on me? Is there something here? Do I have an unhealthy attachment here? Um, because we tend to worry about what we worship. And, you know, Jesus talk, talks about this is what the pagans run after. And I don't know if you, if you know, but... Um, the pagan worship of Jesus' time was actually characterized by anxiety and fear because their worship was all about trying to appease these, these devious, vindictive, and capricious gods. Okay? The, the, these gods were, um, you know, would do nasty things if they didn't get their way, if you didn't appease them, if you didn't provide food for them, all these kind of things. So really their worship, the pagan worship, was based on, on fear. And what a contrast to the one true God that we worship, who is full of love and compassion. And Jesus reminds us that our worship should not be characterized by fear, but by faith. Our worship. We don't worship God because we fear him. Yes, there's the fear of the Lord, which is a holy reverence and respect, but it's not being afraid of God. We shouldn't worship God out of fear. We worship God out of faith. Because of belief and trust in who he is and what he's done for us. And faith that our God is for us. That he is with us. And that he has not given us a spirit of fear. But of power, of love and of sound mind. That's what 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us. He's not given us a spirit of fear, folks. He's not called us to walk in fear, looking behind our backs all the time, wondering what's going to happen next. Am I going to catch this or this or that? No, he's given us a spirit of power, of love and of sound mind. Sound mind. Do you understand that what worry does to your mind? It twists, it distorts things. It takes, it, it twists reality. 
God's word reminds us that we have a spirit of sound mind. Of sound mind. And throughout this passage, Jesus has been telling us to stop worrying about the basics of life. He's been saying, look, you are far more important to me than the birds and the flowers and the grass of the fields. And yet I provide for them. But instead, Jesus has something far more important for us to do. He says, look, stop worrying about those things so actually you can focus on what's really important, what is really the purpose of life. I mentioned that early, earlier, what is our, our purpose in life. Um, and um, this purpose that he's about to share with us is actually one of the best cures for worry and anxiety. And here's what he tells us in verse 33. Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. Jesus is saying, if you seek me above anything else, if you make him, make God the priority in your life, a.k.a the most important goal of your life, then God, God will take care of the rest. He'll take care of the small print. God will provide the basics that we so worry about. Jesus is telling us, seek God first. And the rest of your life, will God will take care of it. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be hunky-dory and you're not going to have troubles and you won't have ups and downs. No, but it is saying God will be there and will provide for you. And, um, you know, to nail it home, Jesus says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. I love that. It's so good. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Because, you know, tomorrow will take care of itself. Tomorrow's going to come. It's going to happen. And <laughs> this is kind of genius, actually, what Jesus is doing here. Because think about it. Where is worry primarily rooted? What is worry mainly concerned about it's the future the tomorrows of our life that's where most of our worries are centered in the the what ifs what's going to happen tomorrow what's going to happen next week the tomorrows of our life are where we are what we tend to worry about it's the the unknowns right the unknowns that we can't predict things that are yet to take place you know worry is is seldom rooted in the present it's anchored in the future Worry seldom re uh, rooted in the present. It's actually anchored in the future. Because, you know what, we don't tend to worry about something when we're in the middle of it. We just get on with it. So, for example, think, think of, say, you're studying for an exam. And uh, in the, the months and weeks leading up to that exam, you're worried, you're nervous. You're, you don't, you're wondering, am I studying for the right thing? Or am I focusing on the wrong parts here? What kind of questions am I going to get? But once you start the exam, you're not really worrying at that point. You're just getting on with it. I had this experience last week with the ordination council, okay? Months and weeks leading up to this ordination council, I was worried. What are they going to ask me? What if they, you know, I'm stumped and all this. But when I was actually in the middle of it, I wasn't really worried anymore. I was just getting on with it. So often our, our worry is really rooted or anchored in the future. So if we tell ourselves... We take Jesus' advice here, which is that I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. That's what Jesus is telling us, don't worry about tomorrow. Then actually what we're doing is, um, this is going to 
mess with your head a little bit, but just bear with me. If you say, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow, what you're actually doing is confining worry to the tomorrows of our lives. And that's where they stay, because every tomorrow becomes today. And as we enter a new day, we renew our commitment to not worry about tomorrow. Do you see the genius of what Jesus is telling us here? You don't need to worry about tomorrow. For as Jesus tells us, each day has enough trouble of its own. And so <clears throat> Jesus actually leaves us with, with, with a piece of reality here. He's saying that, yeah, the reality is, yes, there will be troubles in your life. It's not going to be plain sailing. But what's important is that when you come up against troubles, not if, when, you come up against troubles like the times we're in right now, what's important is that we choose to live by faith rather than by fear. You have a choice. You can say, I'm going to fear or I'm going to be full of faith today. And, you know, I love that line in the Bobby McFerrin song that, that we just... Um, heard a little bit of what he has that the line in the second verse where he says in every life we have some trouble but when you worry you make it double and it, it's so true again i think he's stealing things from jesus here <laughs> um, but it's really true let's keep those words of jesus always in our minds as we go forward this week with everything going on the anxiety i know many of us feeling remember the words of our lord and savior he said do not worry 